I want people to know that man is always going to let us down, even the people that God uses, but God never does, never. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and this is episode one of season two, but technically episode 29 of the Raised and Redeemed podcast altogether. I hope you guys had an amazing holiday season and are excited for another new year. I know that I am, and that's why I wanted to start the season off with a bang by the first guest being social media superstar Ashley Henriot. If you've been on any side of Christian Instagram or Christian TikTok, I'm sure you've come across Ashley's content at least once before. This was a super relatable conversation for me as Ashley also grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction and is now on the other side to tell about it. Her story is full of redemption and just countless times of God showing up in people to help her out of different situations And then those same people turning around and being the ones to let her down later on. And whereas that might be something that turns people away from the church and Jesus altogether, Ashley's just been filled with so much grace where it's those same situations that lead her closer to Jesus than ever before because he's the only one that will never let us down. So without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Okay, so for the (laughs) listeners to know... Ashley is a life coach, speaker, author, podcast host of Confidence in Coffee, and TikTok superstar with over 200,000 fans. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here with the Raised and Redeemed fam today. Well, I'm honored and I love that um, your podcast is called Raised and Redeemed, right? That's all of our stories no matter how different. So that's really good. I'm super excited to be here. We've already had a great conversation. So I know, I know. I was like, we have to get recording on this because it was already getting so good. Yeah, let's press it. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So we were starting to get into some of this before I hit record, but how I started to realize that we relate so much more than I even realized when I invited you to be a guest on the show. So I'm really excited to um, go into some of that, Uh, just a little bit of background. I did find out that you had a childhood full of trauma, uh, were abandoned by your father, had a drug-addicted mom, and experienced lots of different verbal, sexual, and mental abuse in your early years. Yes. But now, as we're talking about, you're here 20 years later with this massive success, seven-plus years happily married, and four healthy children. So talk about the redemption of God, because like you said, only he could do that. 
Only he could do that. Yeah. 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 So I just want to go a little bit deeper into your story today. And to start, you know, just going back to the beginning, would you mind telling us a little bit about your childhood just to start? Yeah. So everybody, I want to first start off by saying that everybody has a story um, and everybody experiences trauma or mm-hmm. hurt or pain or brokenness. And the enemy is such a liar. And so I think that when you hear my story, I want to be able to validate other people's story that may, that may look at that and be like, wow, I didn't go through that mm-hmm. and be afraid to tell their story. And so I want to encourage your listeners that what I'm about to share doesn't mean that your story isn't going to share, isn't going to glorify God in some other way that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my story is, is definitely something that is dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a lot to take in. You know, my, my mother is full of addiction. I look at redemption as not this Hollywood happy ending of everyone is sober. Everyone is happy. Go, go lucky. We're all together. My mother still struggles with addiction. Mm-hmm. But what's great is I have forgiven her. And the happy ending is the fact that I love her. I forgive her. I feel sorry for her. I'm not the victim here. And I have compassion for someone who has caused me so much pain, mm-hmm. right? Same with my stepfather, who was very abusive. Um, and the reason he was abusive was because he had feelings for me that he hated and mm-hmm. he projected onto that. And he was perverted. He would watch me take showers. He uh, molested me. I mean, we're going to dive right deep in here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You just tell me when to stop. No, uh, Lord Jesus, good. carry this conversation where you want it to go. Um, but yeah, I, I went through a life of like, I had a mark on my head. So I was supposed to be an abortion. My mother, um, whose father committed suicide and whose mother was also an alcoholic. Um, and that was just the generation of toxicity. Right. Yeah. Um, she also struggled with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Now, I didn't know this years ago. I'm able to put language to what I went through. Um, and so with that, like my mother was not healthy. Um, so she went through numerous men. She, there was five of us and four of us have different fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, she had had numerous abortions and numerous miscarriages. And I was supposed to be that abortion. But she said, stop. I can't do this again. And she had me and she loved me. And I'm so stinking grateful for that. Um, But in that, my real father, um, who I didn't find out was my real father until I was 13, um, he would have wanted nothing to do with me, just nothing. And so my mother, um, going from men to men, had that's when she had met my stepfather, who was 15 years younger than her. Mm. He was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, here's this woman with two kids. Cause she had a daughter before me from a one night stand who my grandmother adopted. Um, and so my future was starting off as like, you know, yeah. failure, like this girl's not going to get anywhere in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there for a while I didn't. So coming from a childhood like that, and then growing up at, at some point I believed, and I remember the moment I was sitting in a chair, I was 15. I was 14 at at the time. I remember sitting in a chair and from being abused, physically abused, uh, molestation, like I was, I tried so hard to be a good girl. I remember so, I remember trying to make good grades. I made everyone love me. I was, even when I would go trick-or-treating and be like, whatever you want to give me. And Mm -hmm. that was the spirit that I carry. But I remember the moment 
that I was sitting in a chair and my stepdad just kept slapping me. Like that was his form of like smile or I'm going to hit you, Mm -hmm. stop crying or I'm going to hit you. And I remember the moment where it's like, I finally just broke and I was like, you know what? I am what you say I am. I'm bad. I am a whore. I am a slut. I'll never be good enough. I remember looking at him and I think that he knew it. And I was like, you know what? I don't care if you kill me. I don't care. Hit me again. I don't care. And I remember the smirk on his face. And from that moment on, I I hung out with people that I thought that mm-hmm. would accept me. I was hungry for belonging and I was going to get it wherever and however I could. Um, and in that led me to things happening to me. I, you know, I was raped and I was thrown at a gas station because I went to a party that my ex-boyfriend told me to go to, um, my first love who my stepdad destroyed that relationship because he was so jealous. He was so Mm. controlling. So he would tell my only puppy love that I was cheating on him when I was stuck in my room because he wouldn't let me go. And so I remember he used to mess with me and be like, you're a lesbian, you're a lesbian. And I did do things that until I can remember with other girls. I didn't know why. I didn't know Mm -hmm. why. I remember watching porn at six years old. You know, I was just so exposed to that environment. And finally, after being broken up with him, going to this party, and that was raped and gas station, I hated men. I didn't trust men. I didn't trust boys. So um, what's crazy is like these people... I didn't go looking for them. And I, and I feel led to say this, if that's okay. Um, But I didn't, I didn't be like, I'm going to search these people out. Right. Like I'm going to search this bad guy out, this good girl out. Every time I tried to get somewhere, somewhere in my life, Michaela, every time there was a tiny little bit of hope or love, the enemy just came in and destroyed it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is I go through all of this. I meet a great guy. Right. It goes Mm -hmm. to crap. Yeah. Um, And then in that, I was a mess after that. I had been exposed to drugs. I was skipping school. I wasn't making good grades. Um, And I, my grandmother, when I tried to unalive myself um, because I had just become, I had just given up on myself, Mm -hmm. um, she intervened. And my mother was so scared of my father hurting me that they waited till he went to work to move me out of the house. They never did that with any other kid. And I never understood that. And so Mm -hmm. I finally, I was in love with my grandmother. My grandmother was everything to me. She was my normalcy. She was my stability. And I moved in with her and I remember getting down on my knees and being like, okay, God, this is it. This is it. Like, I'm going to be a good girl. And I went, I would go back to church. I was the only one in my family who would walk to church by myself. I was called a church hopper. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew my mom believed in Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you. Okay. Doesn't matter. God will use whatever and whoever to plant seeds. And I was going to ask you that actually, like what your family believed, if there was any kind of. Yeah. So my mother loves Jesus. Like she's, I know where she's going when she dies. She's going to go to heaven. I know it. God has told me this. Um, And she's exposed us to church. Now, my stepfather, he didn't really start believing in God until I was like in my you know, I was 19. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember he would always make fun of us for going. He never really went to church with us. Um, Home life was hell. And so my mother did believe in God. She believed in the Holy Spirit and she, and she had took us to church. Um, And so we, we believed in God, my siblings, we there's four of us, you know, I have two of them who don't believe in God, Mm -hmm. who just believe in life. Um, 
and I pray for them daily because we all went to church together, you know, and um, I, I'm grateful for that time that we did. And my mom did that uh, because she struggled with things that I can't imagine. Uh, and she was very abusive, just as well as my stepfather. Um, but I see I see them both from a different light. And, and, and my grandmother was also, she also believed in God. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher. Okay. Um, but she was also an alcoholic. <laughs> what do you really think bad. that is really quick? Because my mom loves Jesus so much. She, she breathes the Bible. Like she knows the Bible is so true, but she struggles with addiction and she always falls back into it. So I'm like, I don't know if it's like a struggle with obedience. Um, if it's just like the pain of this world is so bad that they just continue to fall back into numbing with substances like what do you think that is to where somebody can know the hope and love of Jesus but still be stuck in addiction yeah so I think that's different for everybody because there's a lot of mental and traumas that are connected to that and I'm not a therapist but what I've learned in working in a Christ-based drug rehabilitation center with my husband who was an addict and we worked with men who struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. um you, these, your mom, my mom, they want to do good. Think about it. Nobody wants to do bad. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to be an evil villain. Like you (laughs) see on Disney movies. Nobody wants to do that. Now, is there evil in this world? Yeah, it's disgusting. There's darkness in this world that, you know, I, there's certain people that I struggle there. I'm like, you don't deserve to live for what you've done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, and when it comes to addiction, I believe that they fall back into it for numerous reasons. And one is that they haven't really dealt with the issues that are causing them to go back into that. Right. Mm-hmm. So they know the solution is Jesus and they know surface solutions and they know surface problems, but they haven't really dealt with the root mm-hmm. problem. And until they actually deal with the root pain of what is triggering them to want to do that, to want to continue to feed into that fleshly desire to, you know, feed into that sickness, um, they're going to constantly relapse because they're not fully giving in to healing in whatever form that is. Um, And it's sad, but that doesn't mean that their heart's not redeemed. Like, I remember begging God. I was just like, why why does she keep doing this? And And I remember the Lord's like, she's mine. And I love her. She's my daughter. Wow. And I'm going to meet her at the gate but she's going to struggle in this world because she's gone. Her mind is gone from drugs. She has she's in her 50s. And statistically statistically women that are in their 50s don't change. We actually don't change after the age of 7. It's true. <laughs> we really don't. Our personality is literally formed at a prime age. And then after that like it's we adapt, we grow, but we don't really change. Yeah. That is our personality. And my mother's father committed suicide and she found him, right? My grandmother was an alcoholic. And so my mother's prime personality, her disorders were long ago. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and also there's outwardly things like my mother didn't, we don't talk about mental illness. Mm-hmm. We, didn't, we didn't talk about it like we do now, right? right? You didn't talk about bipolar disorder. You didn't talk about anxiety. You didn't talk about ADHD. We didn't just give him medication. Think about it. And her, in their time, I don't know how your mom is, but in my time, my mother was, you know, like 
that was when they just gave drugs away for free. Yeah, that's true. They created addiction. Yeah. And so that is feeding the pain. And so there's, there's a lot of conflict there. So my mother, I know in my heart will never, ever be sober, sober minded in this world. She never will be. She will never be right. She will never be able to function in society. But I know that Jesus is going to meet that little girl (laughs) at the gate and hold her and be like, I'm here. If you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, and I know he will do the same for you too. That's so good. That that brings me so much like peace because both of my parents still struggle with addiction. Um, and I pray I'm for so them. Sorry. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I feel like I kind of adapted to the parent figure for them where like, I'm, I'm, oh. that, you know, I'm that role for them and it takes some pressure off because my mom, she's had crazy God dreams of like where he's redeemed her. Like I know he's fighting for her. I know he loves her. My dad, he doesn't really think about God. So like, that's a different situation with him. Um, but regardless, like it brings me peace to know that somebody can continue to disobey, but still be gods and still be redeemed. And, um, yeah, Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. And I, the fact that your mom has, so my mother has been brought to life. We've seen her purple and blue. Like that woman, God has given her so many chances. She was, we've seen our mother dead. We've mm-hmm. seen the, her be resuscitated mm-hmm. um, from drugs. And I still see her not, she's not living. She's surviving. My mother can speak in tongues. My mother can tell you the Bible from the front to the back. I have four kids and two are actually not my husband's. Their father is an addict and he taught me the Bible before he up and abandoned his children. We had Bible study every time, every day when I became a Christian. And so I've learned something in that. I've learned that there is, there is genuinely a battle between our flesh and our spirit. Um, and our flesh is triggered by certain traumas and responses. And that is where the church has failed in regard of not talking about mental illness mm-hmm. and addiction and surface level healing. Yeah. And so that is why I have come because I know God's like, you know, we're going to talk about the hard stuff mm-hmm. because I'm healing. I have traumas. I have PTSD, anxiety. There are mental things going on. And I have been a victim of surface healing. And so when my behaviors weren't matching up with what people were telling me to do, mm-hmm. I almost killed myself. Yeah. I thought, I'm a failure. I'm actually Judas. I'm supposed to kill myself. I genuinely thought my destiny was to unalive myself because I would never, ever be what God wanted me to do. What I love about your story is that, you know, you you didn't get a hardened heart through all of this. Like you 
you went through that. Well, and we're leading up to your salvation. Um, I want to know like how you were saved or like how that happened. But as a little girl, like it seems like when you moved in with your grandma, going back to your story, um, you you prayed to God, like you cried out to God or not moved in with your grandma, but you were, you were saying something. I did. It, it ended up very not good, like, <laughs> but God redeemed. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I prayed to God about that. I went back to church. I met this boy um, who was a Christian, but his mother found a pack of cigarettes in my purse and thought, you're not good enough for my son. And there, I met, went to the skating rink every Friday and there was a less, there was like a gay group there. And I wore a rainbow choker, not knowing what that meant. Okay. I was so ignorant. Okay. And they were just very drawn to me and I loved the attention. I was like, okay, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, they had their hand, there was this one who was way older than me. She actually shouldn't have been there. Um, and she, um, uh, this was in the midst of my grandmother and she was like in my life and I was trying to go to church and I was trying to be a good girl, but then I got rejected again and I went to where, what was drawing me. Um, and every time I even try to come out of that with the group that I was in, um, she wouldn't let anybody near me. She had already claimed me as hers mm-hmm. and I was too afraid, but also kind of, uh, drawn to the false security that I had with this woman. Yeah. And she was grown. Okay. She was a, she was like in her twenties. I was like 16. Um, and I just remember kind of being drawn to that. So I, when I, when I got rejected, I stopped going to church. I like, was like, okay, God, here we go again. Mm. Um, I started doing drugs and I remember my grandmother was still struggling with drinking, but not as bad. And one night when I was supposed to go out, she asked me to get her a glass of wine and I took the whole bottle up there. I was like, you're a grown woman. Like, I'm not going to keep pouring your wine. And I took it up there and I came home and she was drank the whole bottle. She busted her head, had to go to the hospital and it went downhill from there. And then I found out she took all my money. My mm-hmm. mother was coming in and out of my life. So I was trying to have this relationship with my mother. My grandmother felt threatened and I was back at my parents' house. And then I was in a full blown, I hate men. I can't mm-hmm. trust anybody. This is who I am, and that is what led me into my uh, relation, my toxic relationship that I was in, and that's when I dropped out of school and got bad on drugs. And the only way out of that was relationship um, was with her brother. Hmm. Yeah, who was the only person she trusted me around, and he knew it. I wasn't allowed. Like I, she watched me work, she watched me outside my classes. One time, I was in a parade when I tried to go back to school and she would follow me all the way from the parade. So I didn't talk to anybody. So what was the story with her brother then that wait, that was your next relationship was her brother. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was my friend for years. He's actually the father of my children, my two okay. older children. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's um, their aunt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But they don't, they don't know him cause he left. Yeah. Um, and we were engaged and everything. Like I had a dress, like that's what led me to North Carolina. We moved from Alabama mm-hmm. to North Carolina and that's where I met God was in the middle of the country where you see more bear and deer than you do people that I ran there with my ex in a trailer where the force, floors were falling through. And I remember seeing a church called cabin swamp in the country and I was so desperate. And I had this six month old baby. Um, cause I thought a baby would save me and this would save me. Um, and I just found all these ways to try to get out because I was so stuck. 
And that's where I got saved and baptized. And that's where I got my godly family who passed recently, who took me in and my son. And that's where I got my GED. That's where I went to college. That's where Mm -hmm. I started teaching. And I even fell back then. I got pregnant again. (laughs) and I was like, I need to get engaged. But then I fasted um, with Kathy, who was my godly mother at the time. And she, um, she's like, look, we need to fast. She was like on heart dialysis. Like she was not good, but she's like, we're going to fast one day because you are so torn about this. And I was like, God is going to make me happy. God is going to just make me happy with him. And I knew I didn't love him, but I was just, I have two kids with him, you know? And so we fasted and then God had me right. He literally put my son to sleep. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. One afternoon, my ex was gone and I wrote And I remember God telling me, like, he is not for you. He's to go. And you are not to follow. I will redeem him. You and the boys will be okay. And I called off the engagement. I called off all the plans, all the money we spent on the wedding. The dress I was supposed to wear for his, our marriage, I wore for my husband now. Okay. The dress was redeemed too. (laughs) All of it. Jesus cares about all the little things. Like my bed, like all the things that I shared with him were gone. Like God replaced everything when I got, you know, I went to a new church. um, And yeah, that's Mm. my story is dynamic. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much to unpack. (laughs) There is. Uh, But that's how I got saved. I remember like looking at a poster of Jesus because I had my six-month-old son in this country church. And I think maybe I shared a little bit of it on, on TikTok. But um, I looked at this poster when I, that day, um, I looked at my son. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go if I leave this church. I don't know if I'm going to go to hell or heaven. And I have raised my hand 20 times when they tell you to raise your mm-hmm. hand. But I've never been baptized. And every time I was introduced to be baptized my whole life, I never did. I okay. never, I just, just, it was too much of a commitment, but I knew it was time, but I had no idea what it was. I thought you had to do all these steps and the pastor laughed at me. I was like, no, I, I thought, I think I have to do all this to get baptized. He's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, and so that night my, I tried to get my ex to come and watch me get baptized because we were still trying to work things out. Um, and he was my security blanket. You know, it takes time to, to heal. We don't just get saved and like, yeah. Everything is transformed. I don't want people to get that um, image, but God is with us through all of it. He literally never leaves us. No matter what we do, he will never leave us. He is always faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I got baptized that night, but I was 20 minutes late because I wasn't going to go. And I was so torn because my ex didn't want me to go. He's like, plan it another time. But I just mm-hmm. felt like they're waiting for me. And so I packed all my clothes. I was like, let me just go tell them that I'm going to do it another time. The pastor was waiting by the door. This small little country church, there was 20 people. They were standing up like they were knew I was coming. Like it was, I was like 20 minutes. It was raining. I'll never forget it. And I come in and he grabs me. Like, wait, he looks up. I'll never forget it. He looks up and he's like, like he knew, <laughs> like God had him wait. And I go in the door. So I was like, look, I'm not. And he's like, yes, you are. And then I got, I remember oh my God. getting baptized and um, that poster yeah. I was talking about. I, there was a poster of Jesus, you know, those little images of Jesus. And I look at the poster and I'm like, okay, I'm, this is it. I want you. I want all of you. I I'm ready. I'm ready. I knew in that moment I was ready to commit my life to him. And I did. It was, I fell back, but I never, ever left him. I strived Mm -hmm. for him, even in my downfalls. He was always with me and it goes on. But here I am today with an amazing man amazing children and 
being, I'm honored to do what God has called me to do that gives him nothing but glory by sharing my story like I am here. So your story is just, yeah, it's, no, it's so cool. And I just feel so blessed to be getting to know you right now. Um, And I'm just, I'm relating to so much of what you're saying. And I know that the listeners will too. Um, And something that I'm feeling that I'm like getting from your story too, is just God's grace. Like you said, like you weren't just perfect right after you got saved. Um, And then I don't know exactly what you mean when you say like you fell back a little bit after you got saved, but um, I definitely want to know more about that. I know I kind of experienced that too, of I fell back into, you know, a little bit of partying and boys and stuff like this, even after I was saved. And I was just telling my husband about it the other day, um, how I had started to to backslide a little bit before I met him. Um, my husband now, he's like the backslide police. So I never, I never. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like our conversation started with this, like even people who struggle with addiction, like God has still claimed you, you're still his, even when you're saved and you're his and you fall back a little bit, like he still loves you. He never leaves you. Um, so yeah, I would love to just keep hearing more about what happened after that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, in that, like you're, it's like a baby. Okay. It's like having a baby. They're the most precious thing in the whole world. Um, but they do some crazy stuff like white poop on the walls, <laughs> right? And like get on the Christmas tree a thousand times after you tell them no. But we don't stop loving our children, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't give up on them. We don't stop taking care of them. We don't stop meeting them where they are. God is that for us 10 times fold. Once we have him in our hearts, once we truly receive him, There is no getting away from him, even if he wanted to. He will rip everything out like we will get our kids. We will ground them. We will take all their privileges. We will take everything away because we love them. God does the same with us, okay? Um, And he did that. And when I talk about backslid, I still had my ex. I moved out, and I shared part of this story on um, social media on TikTok about just like a, a little part of it when I started going to that church got saved. I got baptized. I connected with a few of the people there. They threw me a baby shower that I always wanted. I never had. I didn't even know they were going to do that. They didn't even know that I had no diapers. I had no clothes for my kids or for my son. Um, And I just remember being so moved uh, when they surprised me Wednesday night, the whole church with this baby shower that, you know, I was like, I always wanted one and I, I never got it. Um, And you know, I, I just became really connected in that church. And then one of the girls in particular who took me to the baby shower and who helped take me to church and who helped me when my pipes froze would let me shower at her house and gave me a journal. Um, I, and I talk about these people specifically, even in my book, because I want people to know that man is always going to let us down, even the people that God uses, but God never does, never. Mm-hmm. And so this woman who really did so much for me and really like, I didn't even know how to break bread. I thought this was a cult when they were passing around some bread and some bread. I'm like, what is this? Like, I remember looking back and like, what? I need to go. Like, what are y'all doing? (laughs) And like, I knew God, but not like that, you know? Um, And so in that, like, I just got connected. She laughed at me. And one time she went to lunch with, she took me to lunch and with her fiance and we were hanging out and 
I'm just so oblivious. I'm like hanging out with our little babies that are the same age because she's a young mom too. I got pregnant when I was 19. And so I was 20 at the time and she was like 20 as well. Like we were the same age and she was so quiet on taking me home. And then the Sunday afterwards, normally they grab my baby. They didn't touch him and they covered the seat of the aisle that I sat on with them, this whole group of people. Mm-hmm. And I felt so rejected. Yeah. I I had no idea what I did, but it was so different. So I sat across and I remember crying because I thought, again, again, God, again, yeah. you give me hope. You gave me hope with this boy. You gave me hope with my grandmother. You gave me hope with my ex, you gave me hope in North Carolina again, again in church, you know? Yeah. And I remember sitting in the aisle and I was holding my son and we get up, we worship. It was a very conservative church. Okay. So you didn't like lift your hands up. You didn't do any of that. And I never really did that. I was exposed to that with my mom. Cause she was all about like the yeah. move of the Lord when she did go to church. So I was exposed to that, but I never understood it. I never did it. And I was crying as I was singing this song. I was stood up and I was like, um, you are my strength when I am weak and you you are the treasure that I keep. And I just remember totally feeling the Holy Spirit in a way that I had never felt before. I was so comforted in that moment of rejection. And I just felt like God, I literally felt like God's arms were so wrapped around me. Like, no, no, no. I'm not going to let anybody hurt you. And I rem- and I was reminded in that moment that I didn't go to church for them. I went for him. Yeah, they didn't save me. He did. I'm here <laughs> for him. And I I lifted up my hands. I just had no. I didn't know what else to do. I was just like in full surrender mode. I was just like, I'm here for you. You love me so much. Like you don't leave me. You don't forsake me. You won't reject me. You won't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, the woman, there was one of the women that were in the, was worshiping and she came down from the stage and church was ending. Her name was Kathy. And she says, hi, I'm Kathy. And I was so moved by what you did. That doesn't happen here that I love to lift my hands up and you encouraged me to do that. I, you know, wow. I was like, oh, thanks. I just, I don't know what came over me. I was just, <laughs> and I was crying because I was still hurt, but I was also moved by God. Yeah. And I just felt it came out. And it was just like, I'm really trying to get my life together. And I told the pastor this and he knows this, but you know, I got baptized. I'm really trying to live for God, but I have to go back to where I'm, where I'm, where I was, you know, he's downstairs, I'm upstairs, but I have to go back and live in that. And I'm trying to get on my feet and get, go back to school because I had dropped out, you know, years prior, I actually dropped out twice. I tried to go to school homeless. My teachers let me basically register myself without being emancipated, Hmm. like And the reason I say that is because every single purpose, every single person in my life had a purpose. Mm. The girl down the street named Jessie lived in the, lived in a cabin. Okay. (laughs) My parents would make me walk to school and we lived at the end of the Rocky mountains and all my siblings got a ride and they just hated me. I was the target child. And so I would have to walk to school. Jessie would sneak and feed me breakfast and do my hair and take me to school. Nobody knew. There was an older woman down the street. Um, and she would help me, like, let me do yard work and clean her house for money so I could get a dress to go to the dance. 
or get new school clothes. Mm -hmm. Like God was with me throughout. And then, you know, God also, he uses people throughout everything Mm -hmm. that we do and, and every situation. And I remember, I remember every person. He reminded me of every single person. Um, and then there's Kathy and Kathy, um, in doing that, you know, like I said, I want to go back to school. I, I want to, I just said it. I was like, I want to get out of the situation that I'm in. And she's like, I can help you. Would you like to come over for lunch? And that's where I met Glenn. I remember us having hot dogs and they loved my son. They just loved him. Um, and then she took me a couple, you know, round and whatever. We went to go try to find apartments. I couldn't, they invited me to live with them. I was scared out of my freaking mind. I was out of my comfort zone. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I, I I knew I was supposed to say yes. I say yes. I go to my ex and I was like, look, I really want to live for God. You know that. Because we were doing Bible studies every day. He was fasting with me. I was like, like I said, I was a baby. I was just like excited. I was just like, yes. What yeah, about the Bible? I want all everything. <laughs> um, you know, the new faith, the new, the new, you know, refreshing start. Yes. Um, and he's like, I totally respect that. I understand that. So I'm, I moved in. They, they got me a room. I, I mean, they, God, what was taken from me, my childhood, my teenage years, they put up curtains for me. They helped me buy a <laughs> laptop for school. They supported me. They helped me do my room. They cooked me dinner. They took care of my child. I didn't know family like that. I didn't know love like that. Um, and you know, in that I was still holding on to my past and I justified it as I had a kid with this man. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was still going over there at night, messing around. We were still, you know, doing it, whatever. I was still not wanting to let that go because that was the only thing I had left. This false security. I don't, I was never meant to be with him. Did God use him to get to where I was? For sure. He's a believer. He's going to heaven too. Yeah. With all my heart. So he, um, in that I got pregnant again mm-hmm. and I was so ashamed because I had just been asked to be the youth pastor because my pastor who saved me retired, he got divorced and I'm going to talk about everybody's story because I want everybody to know it does not matter. God will <laughs> never leave you nor forsake you. So the pastor that saved me got divorced and they kicked him out of the church. A new pastor came in. He asked me to be the youth pastor. He eventually left. I got pregnant. I didn't tell anybody. Eventually I started showing. And so I got an apartment. Um, and I told Kathy and Glenn, I was like, look, I got an apartment. It's time for me to move out. You know, I got my GED at the time. I was going to college now. Um, and they helped me with all of that. Like, and then there was a woman named Lynn Blackburn who helped me, uh, you know, tutored me, um, because I dropped out of school twice. And even the, t- that's what I was going to say. The teachers, when I dropped out of school, tried to adopt me. The counselor tried to adopt me. Um, they were like, look, I, where do you want to go? And I was like, I want to go to Brazil. And they're like, you finish school. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you to Brazil. <laughs> my English teacher, because he thought I was the greatest writer. He's mm-hmm. like, please don't. Please don't. But I was so pulled into this other lifestyle, this false security, because it's when I was in high school, it was my ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I was just like, still like that's my security that's my future but that's my security but that's my future yeah um and it consumed me i mean it followed me wherever i went and i held on to it because i i thought there's still part of me that's like that's what you deserve that's where you belong even when so many opportunities were presented to me that were good i still felt like i wasn't good enough for it Mm -hmm. still struggled with that 
And, um, but God used teachers and God used counselors and spoke and planted and planted and planted and planted, uh, and showed me love a little bit more love and a little bit more and a little bit normalcy. Cause I never had any of that. Yeah. And he also did that with Kathy and Glenn and he did that with the church. Um, and they weren't perfect either. And I wasn't perfect. And eventually when I couldn't cover it. I got an apartment. They were so excited. Like, this is great. Low-income housing apartment. I was so proud of it because they just redone all of it. And I was just like, this is great. And then I remember when I couldn't show up, we went to the house for dinner. I was like, whoop, I'm pregnant. And they were so, okay. I was like, okay. Okay. All right, then. (laughs) Um, You know, um, and then I felt in that moment, we have two kids. We need to get married. I bought my own ring. (laughs) I put it on my finger. Um, but that's what I talk. That's what I mean by backslid. And then I, I was like, we need to get married. We planned the wedding, but I was going to church with this man. We were going every Sunday, but I was so miserable with him. And also he was doing drugs behind my back that I didn't know Mm -hmm. I was oblivious addicts or some addicts are so great at hiding it. Yeah. Um, but I remember God was constantly saying, no, Ashley, no. And I was literally telling God, I was like, no, you're going to make me love him. You're going to make me happy with him. I'm going to do it. You're just going to make me happy with him. But then Kathy took me to a movie one night and she's like, you are really torn about this. Like, she's like, are you happy? Are you excited? I was like, meh, not really, but it's okay. God's going to make me happy. And she's like, no, that's not how this works. (laughs) She's like, look, my health is declining really bad. And it was She's like, but I feel like we need to fast one day. I was like, okay, I've never heard this woman say that. And that's when God literally came to me audibly. It was the first time that I had heard his voice audibly have me sit down, tell me to write. And I just was writing from the words of God about what he said. And then I gave this note that of what I wrote to my ex who has no emotion. And he started crying like it was just powerfully written by God. He knew it. And that's when he moved out. And that's when I knew also God told me, you need to go to another church. Mm-hmm. I need you to go to another church. And I did. And that's where I met another part of my family who also, church wasn't very healthy, but they played a, a huge part in my life. Um, they approved of my husband now. I went to them for all things. I knew that I needed to soak myself into them to understand normalcy. Um and to understand confidence. Mm -hmm. And I did that and they helped, you know, my wedding. They were also a part of this family that I never had. And, um, yeah, that's what I mean by backslid. I, I got pregnant again. And God was like, we're going to use this. Yeah, of course I can work with this. Mm, Yeah. He can, he can turn. I heard you, you say something in one of your last podcasts about how, uh, God uses our pain for our purpose. Yes. And so he can he can use anything that the enemy meant for evil for good. On social media, my brand, I hate marketing. I hate all that stuff. <laughs> but my brand, my mission is my story. Yes. Your mission is your story. Our missions in life are our testimonies to shine for what God can do in our life. Yeah. Because it brings hope. It yep. brings relatability, brings empathy that no matter what I did, no matter what I did, because it wasn't in my power. And I think we as Christians sometimes fall into the, well, I did 
I'm just not ever going to get it right. I've been there. My biggest wrestle was fear of rejection because of trauma. And I was constantly in fight or flight. I mean, even my marriage in the beginning of years, everybody says it's honeymoon, honeymoon first years. Ours was hell. Okay. It was straight up broken. Okay. Um, we're in a better place, but you know, you have two broken people. My husband has a strong testimony Mm -hmm. and you're trying to put them together. I mean, marriage is a reflection of who you really are. It will bring out things in you that you thought you dealt with. I thought I was on, like, it was like that girl loves Jesus. And I love Jesus. It's easy when you're by yourself and nobody can hurt you. Yeah. It's easy. But when you have somebody living in your home, who you got to submit to, who you have to be vulnerable with. Oh Lord, that's a whole nother part of healing. But the thing is, is like God says you're ready for marriage, but in that you're ready to grow in this part of who you are. Yeah. And God doesn't always throw everything on us. And, and he does things in every single period of our life and he uses it for growth. Like God, we have to see God as father. We have to see him as father because a father, a real father doesn't leave their children. They don't abandon their children, no matter what we do. Even if we wanted to push them out of our lives, we can't. He loves us way too much. The mm-hmm. Bible was for us. Yeah. The story was for us. And when you understand that, it, it'll drive you even within mistakes because tra- transformation comes when with love, with yeah. redemption, with love. Um, and when we accept that, when we continue to live in this crappy world and we continue to wrestle with this crappy flesh, we're always going to come back to the Father and not give up and continue and continue and continue to strive and to grow. And as long as that is, I want to be better, mm-hmm. even if I'm not better right now, God's going to get you through it. I love that so much. Uh, I'm actually reading a book right now called The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy Keller. Um, and okay. So he's like, you know, combating what society has yes. you know, conditioned us to believe that marriage is and something that. You know, I read this book, especially when my husband and I are struggling because I'm like, okay, go back to the foundation. Timothy Keller was a a pastor. So, you know, it's all based on the Bible and scripture. Um, And so I read this book whenever we're struggling and it just like recenters me. Um, And something he said was marriage is for our sanctification. Like marriage isn't for like our pleasure or even necessarily our happiness. Like, of course, as our hearts change and we become sanctified and we desire God's will. It's so good. Yeah. Happiness comes as a result of that, but marriage is for our sanctification because we're, we're in preparation for eternity. And then you do that with a spouse and you help prepare each other and yourselves for eternity together. Um, And so that helps me a lot because like you said, um, my husband and I's first year of marriage was also hell. Everybody talks about the honeymoon um, phase. And I'm like, (laughs) did we do something wrong? Because we we didn't really have that either. Um, I came in with most of the brokenness. um, Same girl. Yeah. And then with, with him, I don't know. I feel like he, my husband was kind of sheltered from the world. He grew up in a really close, like protective family. Um, so did my husband. He was homecoming king. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like street from Alabama, Detroit. Okay. Oh two different, God. two different. Yeah, like, exactly. Totally oh yeah. yeah. We are polar opposites. And so that's, there's been a lot of sanctification in my marriage for sure. 
Um, it's good though, right? Like it's hard, but it's good because it helps you. It's like, it is sanctification because it's giving you, so marriage is helping you grow to another level of your life personally with God. Mm-hmm. You're depending on him on a whole nother level, but you're also, think about it this way. You and I, you know, we do have a similar, similar story. We're guarded. We don't want anybody to love us. And in doing that, like, we're not going to show you love because you're not going to hurt me. That's not going to happen. I struggle with that. Yeah, for sure. The struggle is real. I get it. But it's unconscious. You're a survivor. And God has used your survival. He has used that. I don't need anybody. You know, I get it. Like, like God has brought me to a place where I didn't need anybody. I was going to buy my own house. I love myself. We're great. (laughs) Boom. Here's your husband. Oh my okay. gosh. My husband was just telling me too. He's like, cause when we go out to do fun stuff, he's like, you're just so independent. He's like with the other women, you can tell that like they're with their man. Cause they're like touching them. They're holding them. He's like, you're like, you're yeah. like in la la land, like, you know, looking around and I'm like, I'll try to like be aware of that. Like, thank you for telling me. But yeah, I, it does like a, a story like ours develops a lot of independence and, um, which yeah. isn't bad. Right. And right. Then also guardedness, but I don't even realize when I'm being guarded until we feel like emotionally distant. And then I'm like, wait, am I, am I doing the thing or am I the problem? Yeah, I'm exactly. the problem. It's me. <laughs> I use that song now every time. Like I'm exactly. the problem. I'm exactly. the villain. Am I the villain? Yeah. yeah. Is this me? Yeah. It's a reflection. It, it's, and it's, it's forcing you to put someone before you, which is practice of vulnerability and transparency. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a quick second here to tell you about Raised and Redeemed merch. I somehow end up in my bright pink Raised and Redeemed crew neck nearly every day because it's so comfy and I love to tell the world that I have been raised and redeemed in Jesus's name and wearing something that says that is a great conversation starter. Not only do we have crew necks, but we also have t-shirts, hoodies, cropped hoodies, mugs, stickers, socks, and more. You can either follow the link titled Raised and Redeemed Merch in the comment section of wherever you're listening, click the link in any of my social media bios, or go to raisedandredeemed.creatorslashspring.com, and that is raised and spelled out A-N-D, redeemed.creatorslashspring.com to order yours and support the show today. And that's what I coach people on with boundaries and inner confidence, confidence in Christ. Like that's really my, my main thing is people learning. I went from a life of love me, love me, everyone, please. I need approval. And to being a puppet to the point that the church I went to, God loved them. I love them. I still love them. But I, if they said jump, I'm jumping. Yeah. They became God to me. And if we're not careful, man can become God. He can be on the throne, even in leadership. If you look for people's approval rather than yeah. God's approval, it's dangerous. You can It becomes an idol. Yes. And so we have to get to a place so in depth with God, the love of God, that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He, he's always with us. And knowing really who we are, knowing that, identifying with that, right? We're a daughter of a king. Mm-hmm. Um that when people disapprove of you, what does your father say? What does God say? 
because that's the only voice that should matter at the end of the day. Which wraps up why I brought up every single disappointment. Mm -hmm. The people that God used are the same people that rejected me. But what I learned in that is if I based, if I didn't know who I was, I would have took their rejection and I would have thought, God sucks. This sucks. I'm walking away. But I didn't. I was still, God is a redeemer. Man will let me down. God is a redeemer. And so when it came to a whole nother reverse of, okay, God's telling me to do something, but they don't think I could do it. Are you going to believe them? What are you going to do? You're at another rather reverse where it's like, well, God told me to do it, even if you reject me. So it went from understanding rejection to overcoming rejection Mm -hmm. to continue into the plan of God. And it's absolutely freeing. When you are not looking for the approval of the world, and it is ultimately all about God, you are a freaking powerhouse that the enemy does not want to live. Can you break that down for us a little bit on a lot? Is- <laughs> yeah, but like, how do you like? I get it theoretically. I so get it. But then, like, how to actually do that? I know you have yeah. a couple of podcasts, like one where you were sharing like like mantras, for instance, because this all ties in. Um, you were saying you were sharing mantras for telling people no or setting boundaries um, because yeah. like this people pleasing thing. Um, finding or like idolizing people and putting them in the place of of God rather than realizing you know like my worth is in being his daughter um it's like I was like- I was forced to only so practical I love practical I was so exhausted by not being able to get the approval that I longed for with the people that I admired in this church. It was a toxic environment. It was just not good. My husband worked there. It almost cost my marriage. I was so exhausted. I was at a place where it's like never going to be good enough. And if I continue trying to be good enough for these people, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. So I was I was forced to know who God was. So really it starts there. So practical is um, because it's so easier said than done. Well, you know, you don't need their approval, live empowered. But there is there is a there there needs to be an acceptance, a few things. First, we do need to accept the fact that we want man's approval. We want to be approved, we want to be needed. Yeah. And it doesn't even come from it comes from that word we're, we're trained that way as a child with our kindergarten teacher, with the girls that didn't like our picture. So yeah. there's already things implanted in us when our you were the mother of your family. So mm-hmm. you were expected to be a certain level than if you had siblings, right? So you're expected, I have to care for my mother. Yeah. So you're already trained in your brain to get approval from p- other people that yeah. you admire, that you love, even maybe that you don't because you're afraid of what they might think of you because maybe someone in your life said, don't do that because they're going to look at you funny, right? Mm-hmm. So you're already trained. So really, you really have to like sit back for a little bit and and ask yourself, where did this start? And then accept the fact that, okay, I care what people think and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Now, where do I take that the fact that I care so much and I want to belong so much? Where do I direct that? Well, to God. Well, what does that look like? So it's really getting in his word for yourself, mm-hmm. not through someone else. Yeah. So the church is for fellowship. 
The church is for fellowshipping with other believers, worshiping with other believers. It is one day a week. You are not going to grow your relationship with God on a Sunday. I'm sorry, you're not. Mm -hmm. You have got to do that all by yourself. You've got to do that on your own. And that is through the Bible. And there's so many resources out there that help you do that. And so really it's discovering what the word says and helping you understand the word is, you know, the Bible app for free and doing devotionals. That's what really ultimately helped me understand the word was doing that. Um, and then prayer, praying to God, talking to God. Well, prayer is not a normal language for people that are just discovering God. It's really weird for them. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people to pray like you're talking, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Not in the closet. It's we're not in the war room. The war is all around us. So pray while you're cleaning the kitchen, you know, turn on worship music. Um, and then use your imagination. God says in the Bible to have child to have faith like a child. And if you don't have faith like a child, then you can't enter the kingdom of God. Well, children have a great imagination, right? Like they tell us the best stories. And so you have to come back as a child. So you're not only looking at yourself, you're not only like looking at, okay, that's where it started. That's who I am. But you also have to go back to a child like, like, that's my father in heaven. (laughs) He loves me. He's proud of me. Like I, I, I'm proud. And then tell yourself every day, talk, discipline yourself today. Even today I had to like tell myself to shut up. I started to get into this negative, like self pity mode. And I was like, no, turn on your worship music, do your workout, get in the shower. You can do this. You are love. God didn't leave you. God's not ashamed of you. Mm -hmm. I had to tell my brain that I had to say it out of my mouth. So you have to like speak to yourself. And it may seem weird, but you have to like, it, I don't care if you're in cradle position. I am confident. I am a child of God. I make my kids do that every morning. They have to speak out affirmations. Well, that's and that's okay it. Too. like going back to your childhood, a lot of what was spoken over you, you ended up becoming um, for the worse at first until you were saved and realized whose you were. So the fact that you have your kids doing that from a young age, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And then the boundaries aspect. So it's with people in general, no is a beautiful word. It really is. And so you have to, I love, this is why I love marriage. This is where marriage is really fun. (laughs) This is where it's really fun because your husband is a part of that boundary with you. So always go to your, if you have a spouse, always go to him always because he's going to help you create these boundaries. So you have to do, this is where you kind of have to be selfish with God. Um, If it doesn't like, if it feels like you're burning out, listen to your body, listen to your mind. Like if you feel like you're doing something volunteer work and it's just miserable, like it's not even that you're uncomfortable, but you're miserable and it's, you're realizing I'm doing this because of why ask yourself, why am I doing this for this person? Why am I saying yes to this person? Has nothing to do with God has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with them. And so really kind of reflect on your life. Like if it's taking away from your marriage, mm-hmm. if it's taking away from your children. If it is taking away from your time with God, then you probably need to evaluate that and set some boundaries. Yeah. Like say no, set this time apart. This is only the time that I have for God. This is only the time that I have for my children. This is only the time that, you know, I I don't, you know, you have things that you don't compromise. Maybe it's church on Sunday. I don't compromise church on Sunday. Yeah. I don't compromise my date nights. I don't compromise my TV time at night with my spouse. I don't compromise that time. You know, like you have to be able to create these healthy boundaries, which helps you 
be confident because now you've taken your life back. It's not in someone else's hands anymore. Mm-hmm. It's in your hands. Yeah. And I you have control. I started practicing that after listening to your podcast where I remember like going into work and I was like, I remember like my boss for some reason, like, you know, the people pleasing can especially show up with a boss. Um, Oh yeah. And he kind of just like says things, brushes it off, whatever, like nothing I say feels important. And I went into his office and I asked him something and he was like, Oh, maybe I'll get to it like later or something like this. And I was like, okay. And I like started to walk out feeling defeated. And then I turned around and I was like, actually, like I need to know by EOD because this is important. And he was like, okay, I'll I'll get it to you by EOD. And that was for you. Yeah. That was one way I practiced it. And then I also practiced it in my women's Bible study because I would always get, you know, and that's a good thing too. Like, and it can be too much of a good thing. Like it can be, yeah, things seem good. Church Bible studies seem good. Get together seem good, but There still has to be a boundary in it. Yes. So I showed up and I was like, I have to leave at this time because I would always get pulled aside and pulled into all these conversations and I'd be exhausted and miserable and mosquitoes are biting me. Yeah. And and my husband's like, why do you stand there and just like deal with it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to like offend anybody. It's uncomfortable to say like, hey, I got to go. I got to go. It's so nice talking to you. And there's a way to do it. Yeah. There's a way to be like, hey, I got to go. I'll see you next Bible study. And here's the thing. Don't over explain yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to tell them about your spouse. Just be like, hey, I got to go. Have, see you. have a great day. Hey, I can't go. I can't go to dinner tonight. You know, like even when I have to reschedule meetings, like unless like I'm cool with you, like it'll be brief. Like there was two interviews I had to reschedule the other day when I rescheduled yours. Uh-huh. And I got more into an explanation with you because I felt like I said, I feel like we're friends. Yeah. Um, rather than there are other people, I was like, hey, I have something in my family. We're going to have to reschedule. I'm sorry. Yeah. Period. Period. It's so freeing once you do it. It seems intimidating because you're retraining your brain. For sure. And and like you said, too, it's like you develop this, um, especially as a kid that grew up with abuse, because it's your only way to survive a lot yeah. of time. Um, so that leads me into... Uh, Ooh, I have one more question before the final question. And that is, okay, so how do you know the difference between a feeling of guilt and a conviction of the Holy Spirit, especially, you know, going back to the root of like growing up with abuse and um, mental abuse, um, gaslighting, where you take on so much, like you, you always like kind of blame yourself. And then for me, I, I notice like it's really hard for me to tell the difference. Like, should I actually feel guilty about that? Or I don't know if I'm wording that right. No, but, I think this is a great question. Okay. Like, is this like healthy conviction or if this is like self-conduct, self, like yes. inner negative dialogue, yes. you know, negative self-talk um, is, well, you, to understand the difference between guilt and conviction is to take the time to understand what guilt feels like. The fact that you know, you know, for me, like guilt, conviction um, is never going to feel like guilt ever. Conviction is never going to feel like you're not good enough. You're never going to have that thought. So you really need to understand the language, like the where you're at. You need to embrace your feelings. And that's so hard. People do not understand how they feel. They don't understand the language of how they feel. So if we start with conviction, conviction feels like love. It feels like correction. Mm. Conviction feels like 
I want to be better because I love you. Not I have to be better or you're not going to love me. Do you see what I'm saying? So guilt is you're not going to like this if I don't do this. I'm not going to be good enough if I don't do this. That's guilt, right? Like, but, or I'm sorry, guilt. Conviction is I love myself enough that I want to be better. I love you enough that I'm going to be better. So if we think about it with parenting, mom guilt is is such a big issue. And so you, you struggle with not being enough, but you have to step back. Okay, this is the practical part of it. So if I feel like, oh my God, that mom is giving her kids all the freaking organic food, you can do two things, right? You can either minimize them and be like, well, they probably have this and this and this. And you create this image in your head that they're, they have to be doing something that you just can't do, which we don't want to do. We don't want to cut people, other women down. That's, that's not healthy either. So you have to step back and be like, you know what? Are my kids loved? Yes. Do I always strive to be the best I can? Yes. Do my kids love me? Yes. Are they safe? Yes. Are my kids happy? Yes. I'm a great mom. I'm a good mom. (laughs) Because the standard of Christianity, the standard of motherhood, the standard of wifehood, is that from the world standard? Where did you even get that standard? Ask yourself that question. Or is that from a godly standard? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Going back to like... the only thing that could have changed us was God's love. His His redemption feels like love. And then that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to be better. Um, not that condemnation, those that negative. You condemn thing. your children? I always bring it back to motherhood. Think about it that way. Are you going to guilt your children into not doing something? Think about it this way. You spill a glass of milk. Okay. Your child spills a glass of milk. Are you going to go to them and be like, oh my gosh, you're so freaking clumsy. You do this all the time. Do mm-hmm. not spill your milk ever again. How yeah. do you think they're going to feel? Yeah. Or, yeah. okay, are you going to go to your child and be like, oh, it was an accident. You know, it was an accident. Oh, it's okay. We're going to clean it up. It's really easy to clean up. Let's just maybe set our cup this way. Or, you know what? It's my fault. I give you a glass. Let me give you a sippy cup. Mm-hmm. Put a lid on. What do you think about a straw? Right. That's conviction. Your child already feels bad for spilling the milk, but we have come up with a solution Mm -hmm. and it does not devalue the love of that relationship. That's good. Right. I have one more question for you. We're starting to run out of time here. I could talk to you all day. We could do two parts. We'll do two parts. Yes. You do two parts of your series there. there, So just to, you know, end this, this part, what would be the last, or if you could go back and tell your little girl self, anything, what would you go back and tell her? I actually wrote a letter to her in therapy. I would tell her that she deserves love. I would tell her that she deserves love. That's what I would tell her. Because in that, when I go back to that and I think of her, I think, when, when I can tell her, hey, you deserve love, it sets a, a healthy pride in her. Like, I do. Yeah. I do deserve love. Love is all good things mm. of God. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And just the last thing, would you mind sharing with uh, the listeners where they can find you uh, and hear more hear more of your podcasts? Yeah. So uh, I'm, I love social media. 
for the most part. So you can find me on Instagram at ashley.henriot, TikTok, Ashley Henriot. Um, you can, I have freebies on my website or five days to a more confident you devotional and guide. Um, I have a whole thing of how to find your tribe, your people. Um, and then also you can find my podcast on YouTube, Confidence and Coffee, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I would love to connect with you. I love connecting with people. Um, and I hope that you grab some freebies and I can see you after you listen to this and hear your story as well. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nicolenko on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.